0: Welcome back there, freedom lovers. Mr. t here. I'm coming to you from the h and headquarters, also known as my home. That's right. I'm not at the uh, command post today. Back at headquarters in the rear with the gear, so to speak. Hey, what I want to talk about today is uh, my AR-15. There are so many options and differing opinions when it comes to the AR platform. And I want to apologize up front. I do have my AR in front of me. So the audio might sound a little wonky as I uh, look down and manipulate the weapon. I want to make sure that I cover everything that I have here. So if uh, it sounds like I'm looking around and uh, that uh, I'm not in the mic, that's what's going on. Let me say this up front, I have never believed that you need to spend top dollar to get quality equipment. Um, put another way, I don't think you need to break the bank in order to have a weapon system that is highly effective for what you need to do. And I say that coming from, uh, several different backgrounds, um, If you look at race cars or airplanes or boats or anything that goes fast, you can make that object go fast for a decently cheap, I guess, amount of money. But if you want to squeeze the last five miles an hour out of it, or heck, even two miles an hour or one mile an hour, You have to spend an inordinate amount of money to get that small return, and that is no different with any uh, weapon, in particular the AR-15 that we're talking about today. For me, my purpose and my mission was reliability, daily carry, and uh, engagements in the sub 100 yard range, to be honest. Um, and I didn't need all the bells and whistles to reach out to six, 700 yards and, uh, beyond. So I guess my first point is identify your mission. What are you going to do with the AR-15? Is it strictly home defense? Is it, um, a ranch gun you're going to throw in the back of your pickup is it uh or, or is it a hobby or do you want to spend thousands of dollars on an ar and nothing wrong with that if you do god bless your heart um you know that's that's not what my mission was at the time and uh if that ever becomes my mission i'm not going to try to fit this square uh, square peg into that round hole, I'll just buy a whole new rifle. so this was my um, I would say budget build, but when I purchased this rifle, I was a young police officer. I wasn't making top dollar, uh, but I was still able to to buy quality stuff and did so with the help of some highly experienced um, officers and some gun nuts, and uh, also on my, falling back on my uh, military background and experience and what worked there and what didn't. I I do believe the government does a, a really good job of putting out quality gear, especially lately, you know, back in uh, early days, maybe it was um, garbage, but in many respects, uh, they've really done some good things with equipment and so when it comes to quality control and inspection uh, i trust that mill spec certification process and that's kind of uh, what i start at um, my litmus test so to speak so let's just start um, i'll give you an overview and then i'll talk about each component this gun is a frankenstein I have a CMMG upper. It is an American owned company, Columbia, Missouri machine gun. And they have a very good warranty process, lifetime uh, replacement or, well, maybe not replacement, lifetime warranty from defects and workmanship. That was important to me. They're Mil-spec, The upper that I bought was all spec'd, The bolt, um, the bolt carrier group, all that was uh, uh, I think it was what was it? Magnetic particle inspected um, and whatnot. And so for the the price, the quality was uh, very high, and I felt good about it. I spent six or seven hundred on the upper, and I changed out the handguards to the Yankee Hill machine. Uh, vented handguards with a picatinny rail. Um, It's served me well, and um, I really like it. The the lower bottom half is Rock River Arms. Uh, It has a national match two-stage trigger. Uh, If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. Um, Much more comfortable, much more uh, reliable, less slack to take up um, in between shots, I would recommend that national match trigger. Uh doesn't add a ton of expense, um, but it, it is well worth it. The grip, so if you've shot ARs for any length of time, you know that the trigger guard housing has that little gap, and a lot of people will stick an earplug down in that gap where your Uh, middle finger of your shooting hand rests. And that gap over the course of even an hour or two can start to wear a raw spot on your finger. So gloves are an answer or people will shove a um, foamy earplug up there to kind of fill that gap. The Rock River um, trigger guard came flush You can also change it out to the Magpul aftermarket. It fills that gap. And trust me, if there's one thing that is going to make you more comfortable and extend your shooting day, it's that trigger guard. Just trust me, spend the money. Um, Let's work from the front of the rifle back at this point. So we've covered the upper and lower. Well, let me go back to the upper because I kind—I forgot about that. Um, the upper is a one-in-seven twist, chrome-lined barrel. Chrome-lined is easier to clean, less corrosion possibilities. Um, the one-in-seven twist I think is important. It was important to me because it will shoot a variety of ammo from the light forty-six grain the uh, ubiquitous 55 grain all day long up to the 90 grain heavy rounds. So the one in seven was important to me for that reason. I like to shoot the little bit heavier um, 62 or 77 grain bullets. Now the police department dictated what I would shoot, but they did uh, issue us 62 grain bullets, ironically. So that's what it was. Uh, One in 12 twist isn't going to do so much for that. So, I'm sorry I forgot about that. Um, And I also glossed over the chamber. So, let me talk about that also. This rifle is chambered in 5.56 NATO. There is a difference between 5.56 and 2.23. And very simply put, uh, 5.56 being the military chamber... They want it to feed under all conditions. So the feed ramps have been, uh, had material removed a little bit, polished. The chamber is a little bit looser, so to speak, and it will feed and extract uh, dirty ammunition all day long. You don't want your battlefield rifle to uh, jam up because it's running Formula One tolerances. The two-two-three, on the other hand, it is uh, has tighter tolerances the distance that the bullet travels before it engages the rifling is shorter in the 223 which can lead to higher pressures if you're shooting 556 out of the 223 so basically and you can dive into this and get behind all the physics you want i'm not that guy but the 556 will shoot 223 ammunition you should not shoot 223 ammunition. I'm sorry. You should not shoot 556 ammunition in a 223 chamber. So let me say that again. The military chamber will shoot anything. The 223 civilian chamber needs 223. So again, I just want to cover that up front. Okay. Let's go back to the front of the rifle. I have on here a Jerry Michalik $40 muzzle compensator. And it is a fabulous piece of equipment. Uh, It makes it extremely annoying to shoot this or to be next to this rifle when it's being fired. The gas is directed kind of at the person next to you. But you know what? That's the least of my concerns. If I am in a shooting situation, I want uh, maximum accuracy. This compensator made a noticeable difference in accuracy to the point that we conducted a, uh, as instructors, we conducted a drill and had a little competition amongst us instructors in front of students. And that competition was using the VTAC barrier. You guys have seen it, I'm sure. It's kind of that. Uh, Triangle ish shaped plywood with all the different holes, shooting positions in it. And the competition was one round uh, from each shooting position with hits on target uh, in the fastest time possible. I took, so I let her video first and then saw their times. And the, I went at the very end. And I took two shots per opening, and I still beat everybody. I'm not saying that to brag, but with this compensator, recoil was greatly reduced. Um, My follow-up shots were much, much quicker, and uh, I was able to deliver twice the rounds in a shorter amount of time than the rest of the pool. So that was kind of cool. And I uh, sold a lot of people on the compensator that day. The next thing I have here going back is a 5.11 uh, mounted thumb activated flashlight. I am a right hand shooter, so it's on the kind of off the left side of the rifle. Um, it's right next to my front sight, it extends beyond the front sight. So it's not going to illuminate my sight, but um, I got a red dot for that and we'll get get to that in a minute. So, it's nothing special to be honest. Um, it's just a flashlight that you know you should purchase weapon specific flashlights if possible. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. I think I ordered one from uh Surefire, but the order got messed up or something. I can't remember what happened. Anyways, I had this 511 flashlight and I was going to a um a training class and I threw it on there and you know what it's worked fine ever since so you can spend the money and I would probably encourage you to um do so buy a proper light but um this one has worked great it's got great lumens and uh the shock of the gun has not disturbed the um battery connection at all or anything so Uh, It is, it's a little bit higher into flashlight, I guess. It's got the high-low based on the momentary switch um, push configuration. It also has the strobe, which is kind of cool. I've used it uh, a time or two, and uh, it is effective at disorienting people. So um, a good light is uh, a must, in my opinion. I talked about... The uh, Yankee Hill machine fore end. My only complaint on it is that it is heavy. Uh, if you're looking at traipsing this down the streets, uh, moving quick, uh, this rifle is a little bit heavier than I would want for that, probably. Um, and that this fore end is a lot uh, has a lot to do with that. It is well vented. I do like that. Um, it's free floating. So I'm not pulling on the barrel, which is important. I'll get to that when I talk about the sling, but um, it's free floating. So it only touches the rifle back near the chamber and um, it it does not touch the barrel at all towards the end. So uh, that's a must in my opinion. The red dot I said in another podcast that uh, all red dots should be aim points, and that's what I have. I have the Aimpoint Comp M3. It's night vision compatible. If you're running in those circles, um, the great thing about Aimpoint is their battery life, and this is probably the most important point about red dot sights. Aimpoint, I changed I I leave it on twenty four seven. This. Red dot sight never gets turned off. I change the batteries every January, so the small little watch kind of batteries uh, I change them out whether it needs it or not. The comp m three is good for fifty thousand hours that's five zero comma zero 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 hours at its mid setting, not on the very lowest n v g setting so um the Comp M4, I think, is good for eighty thousand hours, and it uses a double A, maybe triple A. I don't know. I don't have that site, so um, a little more common battery. But I love, love, love the aim point. Part of that is now. I purchased this um, above and beyond. My, my department issued EOTechs, but. Uh, there we had significant problems with Eotechs. They eat batteries. People showed up to the range having swapped out batteries a month prior and the batteries were now dead again. Um I don't know if Eotech has fixed that issue. Um I just I don't keep up with them. The the joke was that Eotech issues a repair kit or you can purchase, I guess. Yeah, this is how it went. EOTech. There is an EOTech repair kit. It's a little square box that says Aimpoint on the side. Uh, so I, I would encourage people to buy Aimpoint. The Aimpoint has a single red dot. You can buy a two MOA or four MOA version. I bought the two just because it does allow me to reach out a little bit further and have a little more accuracy by virtue of a smaller dot. What that means is that at a thousand yards this dot will appear two inches wide. The 4 MOA is better for um, up-close, fast-moving targets. It'll give you quicker acquisition, uh, target acquisition, sight acquisition. So again, nothing wrong with the 4. I just went with the 2 because I could stretch the legs of this um, rifle out a little bit. Uh, That's my sales pitch for Aimpoint. I have the Aimpoint um, married to a LaRue Tactical, the M68 mount. What this does for me, and I think this is the perfect setup, um, is it gives me a lower one-third co-witness, which brings me to my next component, the sighting system, the backup iron sights. I run standard military front fixed post and the rear peep sight. I think that a lot of moving parts creates failure points. And having flip-up sights is really nice. But one, they're spring-loaded and prone to failure. Two, uh, by having fixed sights that when I say lower one-third witness. My red dot, when I look through it, is resting right on the tip of my front sight post. So I am sighting through the rear peep. I'm seeing the red dot on the front sight post. Now, I can move my head, and as long as I can see that red dot and put it on target, that's where the bullet will hit. But if, for whatever reason, this uh, aim point, if this red dot decides to poop the bed, I am already looking through my backup iron sights. I don't have to flip up the front sight and flip up the rear sight and acquire that target. It's already there. So it goes dead. I've got the same sight picture. I'm rocking and rolling. Those both attach to the Picatinny rail by um, hex screws. So I have these tightened down. I take a paint pen and I mark the housing and the screw, so I know if it's backed off at all. Um, that's my my uh, soapbox, I guess. On iron sights, so I saw all kinds of different setups, and I just didn't like it for the most part. Uh, charging handle is uh, BCM. Charging handle BCM gunfighters, uh, it's I Don't know, maybe the the Release is a little beefier, which might be nice. Um, I Don't know why I got it it the stock one works just fine, but you know, it's a comfort thing. I guess um, It works good. It's solid no complaints. I Have the original folding. Uh, I'm sorry telescoping stock so you can adjust the position in or out. The sling, I said we'd spend a minute on this. I have a Viking Tactics or VTAC sling. It's the kind that, uh, it's a two point. Um, I think two point is important because it allows you to cinch down on the front end and create tension. When I'm holding this, I grab this running end of the sling and I pull it tight or I push it away from me and that tightens the sling up around my body from the front point to the rear. A single point, you can't do that. Single points are super mobile Um, and they have, they're great. They serve their purpose. Um, This two point sling, in my opinion, is more stable I can lock it in and hold it very tight for a um, rooftop-to-rooftop shot, let's say. And uh, it provides more stability. It's padded, so it's comfortable to wear and carry. Um, It's padded and wide at the back end, so it distributes the weight nicely across your shoulders. And I would very highly recommend the Viking Tactics Sling Sling. Um, you will not be disappointed in the adjustability, in the stability, and the comfort of it. The other thing I have on here, or the next thing I should say, is an ambidextrous safety. So no matter what hand I'm shooting with, I can engage the safety to uh, fire or put it on safe with either hand or my thumb. Um, to me, it's just commonality of technique. I, I'm i doing the same thing with my right hand versus my left. So um, that was a good upgrade, in my opinion, and did not cost very much. Um, let me take a look here. I think I've got one more thing to talk about, but make sure I saw everything else. Um, yeah, the barrel length. I have the 16 inch barrel. I, you can run a 14 and a half inch barrel with a welded on um, muzzle flash or adapter to make it over 16 inches per NFA rules, the National Firearms Act. Um, 16 inch barrel is a great compromise, in my opinion. 20 inches. Um, will give you less holdover at longer distances. But again, it's all what your mission is. My mission was that sub 100-yard range. I also needed something for uh, interior CQB kinds of missions. So 16-inch works great. You're not giving up too much velocity lost, and um, you you still got some good mobility with it. Finally... The last thing that uh, I'll talk about here is the mag release. I have a magpole magazine. I'm sorry. What am I talking about? Not the magazine release. The bolt release. I have the magpole bolt release, which I don't know how to explain it. It attaches to the bolt release on the side. It extends down and makes a 90-degree turn into the trigger housing. So it rides next to your trigger finger. What I like about it is my belief is that your master grip, your shooting hand, the, the, your dominant hand that you grip the uh, rear grip with, um, should not come off the gun. And it's difficult to lock the bolt to the rear, if not impossible, without breaking that grip. You have to pull the charging handle to the rear with, in my case, my left hand, and then have to reach over, or under, or around, or something to uh, engage the bolt catch. With this pull little doohickey, I never have to break my master grip on the rear, uh, rear grip. I pull back on the charging handle with my left hand, and I push up with my trigger finger inside the uh, trigger housing, the guard. So it's super simple. I can engage and uh, engage the bolt catch and disengage it with one finger way faster than anybody else can who doesn't have one of these devices. I would encourage that also if you're looking at fast magazine changes. Uh, You put a fresh mag in, hit that little lever, boom, the bolt goes forward, you're back in the fight. Other than that, I think that's about it. If you have questions, um, please send me a message. Let me know how you like the podcast, um, if you want to see something different. And again, my philosophy has always been, uh, it's about the Indian, not the arrow. A lot of guys will spend so much money, but they lack the basic skill and foundation to operate the gun effectively. I've seen guys who are really, really good shooters take a mediocre gun and just beat the pants off people who have spent two and three thousand dollars on their rifle. Um, again, it's the Indian, not the arrow. If you have the mission and the need and the disposable income, I guess, um, to go all out, you know, go for it, I guess. Good for you. But Build your weapon around your mission. Um, don't create something that might be the, the best and the greatest, but it doesn't fit what you're going to do. A 20-inch barrel um, with a fixed stock is an absolute tack driver at distance, but it's not something I would want to use to clear my house um, or take indoors something. So uh, that is it. Thank you for coming and listening here. Thanks for spending your time with me. Please let me know uh, what you'd like to hear topics on in the future and have a safe Second Amendment day.